This program is financially supported by the fundings from the European Commission. You are listening to the EPU Access Cast, the first official podcast from European Blind Union about assistive technology for blind and partially sighted people. And here are the hosts. Hello and welcome to the EBU Access Cast. This is episode 19 and uh, I am today your host. Uh, my name is Tanya Cloud, and um, I have with me uh, Mario Percinic from Luxembourg. Hello everyone. Hi. And we have uh, Pavel from Poland. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, Bart was not able to be with us today, but uh, hopefully he will join us next time. What's up, guys? Nothing really as far as gadgets are concerned, but there is a minor yet significant tweak to how the podcast runs now, namely since last episode, so the one in in January, and the ones onwards will, of course, have this too, are the chapters, which means that um, because we have a lot of news for you all the time, there are also demos, interviews, so a lot of um, content that is always linked with each other, but nevertheless separate items. We thought it would be nice to add chapters so that you can use your favorite podcast player to navigate between the items that interest you. So if you prefer braille devices over speech synthesizers or pc apps over mobile apps or anything else over something else you can choose the news that interests you straight away from your podcast player and uh, from the tests we have done it certainly works on in the overcast app on ios uh, in podcast edict on android and on the pc it works with fubar 2000 uh, media player classic hot player and gum player And in all of these apps, you will find one way or another to switch between the chapters to look at the table of contents. So from now, the podcast is a bit like a book, like an audio magazine. So you can choose your favorite chapter now. (laughs) Yeah, it's now like structured similar to the, let's say, Daisy book or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, unfortunately, for some reason, um, it probably doesn't work with podcasts app of iOS, the default one, the stock one. And there is also some problem with Downcast at the moment, but... uh, yeah, have a look at your favorite player that you usually use. Maybe we didn't mention it and it actually supports the chapters. So uh, yeah, we will be interested to hear your feedback. Um, and that's the news for, for the podcast. So <laughs> Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> so now people will be able to select the chapter that they prefer from mm-hmm. our content. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get any new gadgets uh for myself. But I have to say for the last few weeks, I was... Uh, Testing uh, the newest, well, the newest, it's not completely the newest, but it's the last edition of the Focus 40 Braille displays from Freedom Scientific. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a 40, Focus 40, uh, 5th gen of of their Braille display. And I have to say that uh, so far I haven't seen a better Braille display. Um, mm. And basically, it's for the multiple reasons. Uh, first of all, I found it that it's really the most responsive Braille displays from all the displays that I tried before. You mean uh, when you use it as a note taker or uh, with a screen reader? Yeah, it can be used as a note taker, but I'm I'm talking about the <coughs> Braille display mode itself. So okay. when it when it's being connected to the computer or mobile. It's really, really very responsive. I would say it's uh, 
almost instant instantaneous. And uh, with which screen reader? It works with both. So uh, with both, I mean, it works almost with anything. Um, I mean, with JAWS, it works automatically. And uh, since it's a Freedom product, and for NVDA, you just need to install the driver for it, which uh, you can download, or it comes on the CD for those who still have CDs <laughs> on their machines. Uh, and once you install it, it's really easy to configure it in your screen reader, uh, basically in NVDA, and it's uh, it's flying. It's it's really really good. Mm. Uh, I have to say that uh, the quality of the dots is very good, and one of the really nice features which you cannot see on on many displays is the fact that you are able to adjust the firmness of the braille dots, which, uh, for example, in my case. Is really good because uh, I am a musician and I play uh, string instruments, so the fingertips on my fingers are a bit harder than, let's say, on the with with the normal. I mean, my my fingertips are harder than the normal person has, and therefore sometimes if the dots are not very, let's say, sharp, mm-hmm. uh, it's harder for me to read. I'm I'm slower reader and I have uh, problems with you know seeing what's what's on the display. With the focus, there was absolutely no problem. And mm-hmm. the coolest thing is that, for example, JAWS has this feature where you can adjust this Braille uh, dot firmness through the screen reader, but NVDA doesn't have it. But you can adjust that uh, internally on the focus through its menu, and when you adjust it, it stays like that for for the rest of the screen readers, so it's, uh, it's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, interesting. And okay. the other cool thing is that you know, the device has uh, basically five simultaneous Bluetooth connections and one USB-C type connection. Um, and, you know, switching between the devices is very, very quick. So, yeah, I mean, you can connect it with the iOS and Android devices as well if you want to use it, and it's just great. And yeah. the also the coolest thing is the, the, the fact that it's very, very small. It takes very, very small space on your desk. Even if you have like the the forty version, uh, and yeah, so it can you know you can use it with any laptops, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's very light. Like the the forty forty cell ver- version is I don't know maybe four hundred grams or something like that. So it's really light. Yeah, but it's it's sturdy. It's like it has the aluminum case. Uh, it has also support for the SD card, so you can store your BRF documents, which you can read on the Braille display wherever you are, and you can also take the notes uh, if you want to. So it, it can be used also as a note taker. So you, yeah, overall, it's cool, and I have to say that it, the pricing-wise, it's also very good because it's uh, significantly cheaper than the products from the other companies. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so. that's great. Thank you for sharing your experience. And I think that now also Freedom Scientific prepared uh, special <coughs> videos uh, to show the Focus uh, Braille displays. Yeah, they do have uh, their Focus uh, webinars, mm-hmm. which you can check out. And basically, it's like short introduction and like the information how you are able to start up with with the unit and how it looks. Uh, yeah, it's in, mm. it's informative. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, looking uh, to buy a very small Braille display, like a 20 or less uh, cells. 
And from what I found is that uh, the Focus um, 14, is it 14 or 16? It's 14. 14. I have 14. that one, actually. Yes. Uh, you have that do, one? Yes. Oh, okay. So, because uh, I found that uh, it is the lighter and the uh, smallest from uh, those uh, small uh, Braille displays. The other is from Humanware, the Brilliant, but that one is a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier, but... Mm -hmm. And yeah, so what is your experience with this 14? It's really? quite handy. Actually, they even give you this kind of case, probably for the bigger ones as well, with a strap. So you can hang it over your arm or even a, mm. a neck if you so desire. So it's like uh, hanging on you and you can all the time uh, pull it out if you need to quickly jot something yeah. down on your phone or send an mm -hmm. SMS. I really liked the, the effect it made on people because I was once asked still at my school to do a presentation for people who are training to be um, teachers of blind people in the future. And they were shown mm -hmm. different kinds of uh, equipment we use, devices. And uh, just as an experiment, I showed them the Braille display connected to my phone. I showed them how I'm reading a book with it. And I mm -hmm. even sent them a text message from it. And they were really surprised it came out in regular print, not Braille <laughs> on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but they were really impressed and it's really handy for this kind of tasks when you need to do something. It's specially designed for the phone. So obviously, if you read a longer text, you need to mm -hmm. press the cursor buttons much more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, so it's much smaller and it's one of the older generations. So you don't have all the features on board, like note taker and, and uh, all the gadgets. But uh, for mobile phone operation, it's OK. I don't think it's much, that much suitable for computers, though. You would be quite frustrated scrolling the text all the time. But for iOS or Android devices, just the right thing. Yeah, yeah, like a portable device. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I I know that they they've uh, uh, did a lot in improving this last five, fifth generation of their display, so uh, they are more more quieter than the previous ones. Even like the quieter in terms of like when you are typing, the keyboard is quieter than. Uh, the previous ones and uh, the overall let's say durability of the device is much better and yeah what you said Pavel uh, for these cases they give you the cases with all the versions so uh, with the 40 version that I tested there is also the, there comes a case mm -hmm. okay great so no uh, new updates from my side but uh, I propose to skip to the news so the first one is from MVDA that uh, launched the release of uh, MVDA 2019.3. It is a significant release because um, there are several new features and changes and also bug fixes. Um, what is important is that they uh, upgraded from Python 2 to Python 3. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is important for users because uh, the old add-ons will not work with the new MVDA. Uh, so it is important to update to the new add-ons if, uh, if the add-ons were updated to the latest version of MVDA. Right. I, speaking of the add-ons, I would say that probably people that will have most problems with the add-ons are the users who are uh, using NVDA with the other speech synthesizers, specifically the vocalizer ones, because the, yeah, the older... Uh, add-on version of the add-on uh, and the driver will not work anymore on the newest NVDA. So they will have to uh, update and check if there are new upgrades for for their version of the of the vocalizer. Uh, I know that recently Code Factory is 
basically the one who is uh like the the best provider for for that um and basically once you buy the vocalizer and eloquence and on which are coming bundled together you are getting a free lifetime updates which is good um so once you do that you are able to use the nvda 2019.3 again yeah yes and also mm-hmm. also uh with regards to add-ons the good thing is that once you upgrade you are presented with a warning that says your add-ons may not be compatible so you better check it and you are instantly forwarded uh, directed to a web page on the nvda add-ons community where you can check the status of uh, probably all of the add-ons or almost all of the add-ons that are hosted on the NVIDIA add-ons repository. And mm-hmm. you can check if there is currently any development going on or if the add-on was already ported to Python 3. And if not, then there is also the email to the developer given. You can always reach out to them and uh, see if they are up to updating it. I think that not many people know that uh, there is a one add-on specifically for NVIDIA. It's called Add-on Updater. Uh, so what this Add-on Updater does is that once you install it for NVIDIA, it's checking all the add-ons which you have installed for NVDA for you, and you are able to update them automatically at once. And uh, also, when the new versions of the add-ons are being updated, you are being notified that the add-on is updated, and you are being notified uh, whether you wish to update or not. So uh, that's uh, one of the things which people might want to install it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also the new release of MVDA brings some new features that before were um, available through the add-ons, like the screen curtain and focus highlight. So now they're there by default in MVDA. Which is a good thing, yes. Yeah. We will do a small demo uh, about it. I will make the small demo and you will be able to hear uh, how the add-on, how these uh, new features are working because... For instance, uh, a screen curtain has to be configured to run uh, because it doesn't have configured shortcut for that uh, by default. So you have to do a little tweaks, but uh, it's something you can do in basically two minutes. Um, And uh, yeah, we will do a small presentation for that. And uh, what is also interesting that there is a new release of the NVDA remote add-on uh, and now again the remote is working uh, in MVDA. Yeah, it yeah. was not working for a while, for like last uh, few months basically. Well, basically since the beta versions for 2019.3 came out, the old version of the NVDA remote was not functioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool that it's fixed now and uh, yeah, it should work as it used to work before. Yeah. And also they uh, report several other features or changes. So now also the um, the accuracy to move the mouse to navigation object component yeah. is improved in uh, text fields in Java applications. Mm-hmm. So I think this is uh, for the ex- user experience very important. And uh, also you can now... Um, uh, show with the um, focus highlight uh, the navigation on landmarks row, landmark rows, um, and you can also um, navigate through the articles, article tags. Yeah, though you have to define the key shortcut mm-hmm. for that. 
it's not defined also mm -hmm. so it has to be defined in the input gestures yeah uh, yeah but it works yeah no that's great because that that, that was possible um that is possible already already in jaws for some time and now it's possible also in mbda mm -hmm. i also noticed that now uh, some new area roles are supported in that uh, it speaks figures mm -hmm. yes it does yes so that's one of the things that it's uh, uh done Yeah. yeah. We have a graphic bundled with a link, for example, for longer description or uh, for some additional reference, um, this will be spoken. And also something I really like that now emoji descriptions are independent from punctuation. And so, yeah, if you want to hear this emoji to have the context of what people are saying on the internet, it's quite important now, it seems. <laughs> um, it's okay to turn it on. Uh, it just works when you turn it on independently. You don't have to keep the uh, the punctuation level even on minimum. So these two settings are now independent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it doesn't have anything to do with that emoji add-on. Uh, no, that was emoticons. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah, that's for insertion. That's if you want yeah, to okay. put one of your own. But on Windows 10, you don't need it as much either for emoji because it has a, Windows 10 has a built-in emoji panel that you access with, I think, Windows Slash. Or, or Windows mm -hmm. dot, something like that. And then uh, you can choose the emoji from the panel there. It's accessible. But in the previous versions, uh, emoji was read. They were included in the dictionary. But you needed to keep your punctuation at minimum, at least. So uh, some of the punctuation should be read. Only then you would hear emoji. And now the, these two are independent. So you can have emoji, but no punctuation. Okay. Yeah. Well, today's communication is kind of, uh, yeah, e emoji Fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's cool to have this feature accessible, definitely. Yeah. There is also an emoji for uh, white cane users. So if you want to represent it, if you want to use it for some campaigning, you can also do that and you can now see who else is using it. So ah. Yeah. That yeah. works too. A lot of people on mm -hmm. Twitter that I follow seem to use it in their usernames as well. Mm -hmm. and, and also one more thing, I think we mentioned this already when we mentioned the beta, but um, there is this new speech API thing in NVDA where the speech can be manipulated programmatically in more ways. So you can uh, tell the code of an add-on, for example, to split the speech into segments or insert some sound in between two utterances of uh, the speech synthesizer and do other interesting things to customize it more. But why this is important? Because some of the voices that you probably are using, especially SAPI 4 or 5, might, might work incorrectly. And this is, mm -hmm. for example, the case with uh, my... Uh, Polish synthesizer that I use. It's quite old. It's on, say, on SAP 4 And now, because it doesn't retrieve the indexes um, as it should, it's cutting off some of its utterances. I'm used to it. It's not tragic. It's I can still use it uh, to the most extent, but you have to watch for this because maybe your synthesizer will not behave as expected, and that's probably the reason uh, why it doesn't do so. So, okay, I uh, maybe it's, it's a kind of personal question, but You have also vocalizer for Polish. Why uh, didn't you switch to the newer synth? I mean, why why do you mm -hmm. still use uh, the older one? The, the older one. Um, the problem with the new synthesizers is that they try to be smart and they try to pronounce uh, English names and foreign names with <laughs> accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they try to yeah. use the dictionaries. And the problem is that when you, especially, I got used to reading uh, English, for instance, phonetically. So the way it's spelled, I understand right. it just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the new synthesizer, especially, so this is one reason they try to pronounce things correctly and then you don't understand what they're saying anymore. And secondly, for some reason with the vocalizer, for example, or acapella or anything I tried, uh, if you go to really, really fast speeds, you can't understand it anymore. 
And mm -hmm. while for Polish it still works because you can guess the context, if you pair the speed and the smartness in foreign languages, you don't really understand anything oh, anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's, that's why I'm, it's just the way I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, but it's true. Uh, this is, I, I have a similar experience with the Croatian uh, text-to-speech. And uh, our vocalizer, unfortunately, does a lot of mistakes in reading the text. Mm, yeah. Really a lot. So mm. and they, what, what they've done also is that they <clears throat> try to be smart and they edit kind of... Uh, Really, really weird abbreviations uh, for for the stuff that shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. like some words, like two two letters that are words in Croatian, but for the vocalizer, this is abbreviation, and then it reads something that is extended, but it doesn't make sense, especially yeah. in the context, it doesn't make sense. Or, for example, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the funny part was like I was looking once at the. The one computer store to get a, a laptop for my dad. So I was looking at the HP laptops, and you know, whenever <laughs> it would find the, the HP word, it would announce as a horsepower. Thought it would be hectopascal or something. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. true to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And eSpeak sadly and has similar issues because. Yeah, the problem with eSpeak is that uh, it tries to support hundreds of languages at once, but because mostly it was built by non-native speakers, the speech basis, um, then you also have some English pronunciation rules every now and then, and uh, yeah, it's it's also <laughs> hindering your proper reading <laughs> of, of your yeah. own language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well. Okay, But do so... you have a speech synthesizer for, uh, for Polish in uh, with this... Uh now built in, in Windows 10? We do have it with Microsoft, but it also has... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do have one voice, but I can't somehow get used to it, and it also has a lot of abbreviations that are quite uncommon, or you have to get used to it, or you want just, yeah. you just want to mentally do your own interpretation of anything that is written without, you know, a TTS telling you the abbreviation. Um, okay. And then it's... Uh, just, yeah, for example, they picked quite funny translation for some punctuation marks, oh. which are not really in common usage, and it's... <laughs> It just sounds funny. <laughs> but uh, there is a possibility of uh, reporting that through the hub. Uh-huh, good idea. Um, because, yeah, uh, I, I did report a few things for, for our Croatian voice a long time ago. Um, but uh, I have to say that regarding this Croatian version of the speech thing uh, that comes with Windows 10, uh, it doesn't have too many uh, abbreviations and stuff. It, it's quite uh, clear in terms of uh, pronouncing the stuff how it should be pronounced. Mm -hmm. So, mm. Uh, yeah, not too many mistakes. I have to say it's, it uh, it runs much better than the vocalizer, which is funny because this one is free. Yeah. And, uh, mm. uh, and even it's much, much smaller in size when you install it. So, yeah. Yeah, I use the Polish voices for some presentation purposes because it's more natural sounding and people like it more. But mm -hmm. I think for my personal use, I will still stick with, with my preferred option. But uh, it's a good idea to report. And of course, if you find any problems with your language bug, um, feel free to report it and probably the fix will come at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also for uh, NVDA, uh, if you would like to request uh, a new feature or a change or to report a bug fix, uh, you can create a ticket on uh, the NV Access NVDA GitHub uh, repository. Uh, you will need to have the GitHub account and then you can um, request 
some new features or changes that you would like to see. The next one is um, Microsoft uh, released the first Chromium-based Edge in January 2020, finally. It was available in uh, beta version already for some time, but now we have the stable version and it starts with the number 79 onwards. Um, you can it's get already, it. It's already on the 80 right it's now. It's already on the 80. Okay. So in uh, you can get it in Windows Update or you can download the installer from the Microsoft uh, website. Uh, what is interesting when you install it? Uh, so it uh, asks you to import the settings from the other browsers and uh, Google Chrome is also there. So right. this is something that you couldn't expect before in Microsoft Edge. Um, then uh, what I experienced is that NVDA immediately crashed because at that time I had an older version of NVDA. And then I started JAWS and also JAWS uh, crashed a few times. So it is really important when you update to the new um, Chromium-based Edge to update the screen readers to be sure that it works correctly. And then when you install it, it works really fine. It works um, much, it is much faster from uh, the old edge, uh, the, the response time. And also what is interesting is that it takes much less resources in the task manager. You can see that. Uh, comparing to the old one. So mm -hmm. I tested on mine by opening uh, just Google and then I checked and it, it uh, was like 90 something megabytes yeah. for uh, the new edge and before it was more than 200. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I installed it on my machine as well uh, as the standalone installer and yeah, uh, it Gave me just a few things to configure it uh, before, like import the stuff from the other browsers. Uh, I was using, I mean, I'm still using Chrome, but I have a feeling that uh, since now the, the Edge is like Chromium based, it runs very, very similarly as a Chrome should. And uh, it's really now with the new version of NVDA and uh, the last JAWS update as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, really fast and, yeah. and snappy. Uh, the coolest thing is that uh, now all the controls are mm, visible in terms of like you you can see all the menus when you press the Alt key. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are a bunch of uh, yeah bunch of things which are a little bit different than the Chrome because okay this is Edge, but since it's a uh, Chromium based, there are mm -hmm. more there. Are, many features which are the same as mm -hmm. were, as were in Chrome. So I would say that it's... Uh, uh, finally, the Edge came up with something that's finally working with the screen readers properly. Yeah. Um, because before that really wasn't the case. And uh, no. now they finally improved on that. And uh, what uh, we will also include in the show notes regarding the edge is the additional link uh, where you can see also all the shortcuts which you can use for the edge and uh, you can see all the stuff related to the accessibility of mm -hmm. the edge, edge yep. uh, itself. And I have to say really huge thanks to Microsoft. Um, you can see that they really are continuing on 
their accessibility policies uh, very seriously. And mm-hmm. that's that's really, really nice to see. Yeah. And also, there are plenty of uh, keyboard shortcuts. And yeah. uh, you have uh, the list also on the Microsoft uh, website that we will put in our show notes. And uh, as you said, some of the menus are... Uh, similar to one in Google Chrome, for example, now the settings opens in a new tab. It's not uh, as before; it was uh, in Edge, like mm-hmm. a menu. Pavel, did you tr- did you test it? No, actually not yet. I'm still quite happy with my Firefox and Chrome combination, so I didn't really test it. But I will <laughs> I will have to now after I what I heard from you. But mm-hmm. I was wondering, um, does it support or does it plan to support also the Chrome add-ons or this is only Chrome specific? Yes, it does. Yes, oh, it does yeah. already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it does. You okay. can uh, have extensions. Mm-hmm. I didn't test it on my side any. And I wonder how many there are already available because I guess it will take some time that... I you know, because I didn't I guess... test it either. I didn't test it either, but I suppose since they they mm-hmm. are Chrome, uh, since it supports Chrome extensions, I wonder if it goes to the yeah, it's uh, Chrome Web Store or something like Chrome this. Web Store, yeah, or it goes to the Microsoft one. I don't uh, know because uh, I saw that I can uh, add extensions, but I didn't test it on my site. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's something we should we should test it. Mm-hmm. for the next release and tell you but it does work with the chrome extensions so that's good and probably yeah. it also means that now um the, the support for chromium i don't know how it worked before but the support for chromium will be uh, on much higher priority with narrator mm-hmm. probably yes mm. yeah yeah that's probably good. yes yeah no, meanwhile, meanwhile chromium that's like a side, side note which we didn't really include but uh, as an interesting fact uh, chromium also started in recent versions being accessible on linux so if you're on linux and orca and you use the canary builds of chromium uh, you can use already the chromium based uh, experiences and if you have a particular app that is based on chromium and it doesn't work uh, on Linux, you can let the developer know that they should update the Chromium base and it probably, probably will be accessible from now on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And also, as uh, you said before, Mario, for uh, the text-to-speech that you can provide uh, feedback to Microsoft, you can also provide the feedback about accessibility and new edge. And uh, if there are any issues that you're experiencing, you can inform them and hopefully it will be solved in the next release. In January 2019, Microsoft started uh, the Accessibility Learning Webinars series uh, based in 12 parts uh, for customers with disabilities. Many customers with disabilities ask for more training and also for more resources uh, about the Microsoft products. So they, they decided to provide uh, webinars with demos uh, for some of the Microsoft applications. Um, okay, so which which applications are covered? Um, so Narrator was um, one of the uh, topics of one, one webinar, and then also Magnifier for low vision users and um, the new Office ribbons, which now maybe are not so new, but it depends which office uh, you are using. Also, Outlook and Excel and um, other applications like uh, OneNote, um, SharePoint, um, etc. I don't know, um, Microsoft Teams and Xbox for... Xbox or Xbox? 
Xbox. 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 Okay, I'm really not a gamer. <laughs> Xbox for gamers. Um, so what is interesting is that during the webinar, they explain the menus and functionalities, which you are even maybe not aware as a regular user. So mm-hmm. you really may uh, discover something new. And uh, during the webinar, they explain which shortcuts and they are using narrator so that you can follow in which menus they are currently in. Uh, so this is great because it's really done in a way that is fully accessible to us. Uh, but not only to us, because it is meant for all users with disabilities. So well, they... I, would, I would say that mm-hmm. it's not only for users with disabilities. I would say that it's mm-hmm. uh, also important for, for teachers who are working with students uh, <clears throat> with disabilities. So they should be also informed how to do that. Yeah, there is um, and also, also it's very good for trainers as well. Yeah, there is also a webinar specific for um, education, just for, for teachers, okay, uh, for education purposes. Um, even though I just um, watched like a few minutes of that one because I'm not uh, working in school, but I was just interested to see what uh, are they presenting. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have really plenty of um, good webinars there. Um, so the webinars were available to everyone and, uh, after, so it was, uh, going live, um, like every month every because month. they had like uh, 12. So I suppose it was like every month. Yes. Every month. And then, uh, later it is available on archive through, through the YouTube channel. Ah, okay. So people yes. can watch it whenever they people want. Can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what was, uh, great is that. Uh, after the presenter uh, showed the application, it was possible also to ask through the question and answer uh, section anything that you would like uh, to ask about that uh, application. Uh, however, the last webinar was uh, done now in February on Excel. Oh. And uh, yes, and uh, it is possible to ask uh, or to suggest the new topics for the new webinars um, because I hope it was not really the last webinar. It was the last from this 12-part series. Um, mm-hmm. I hope they'll, they'll be other one because it was really a great way how to, 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 great way to present the new features of, of Microsoft products and to learn about them. Uh, how I discovered these webinars? So it is. it was interesting because they included also one webinar that was provided to um, Microsoft employers about c- creating um, accessible PowerPoint um, presentation. presentation yeah, for persons with disabilities and also how to present it in a way that for your audience it is accessible so that during the presentation you don't exclude anyone. Mm. And it is really a great presentation. It is mostly for uh, persons who are presenting uh, their content and are not aware about uh, what they can do to provide more accessibility in PowerPoint and also um, to include everyone in the audience. But I also learned some some functionalities or, or some things that... Uh, are available there in uh, the PowerPoint uh, 365. 
and yeah. that you may use um, for accessibility purposes. It would be mm. interesting if they actually hosted once a webinar on how a blind person can prepare an effective presentation by, by themselves. Mm -hmm. That would be really, really needed because I, I've seen already some courses of how to do it. I mm -hmm. will have to follow them. I found one, unfortunately, only in Russian. So uh, I guess mm. I will have to concentrate really hard. To understand it. I have to say, yeah, yeah. I have to say that. Uh, sorry for dropping in. Uh, I I've seen those ones uh, that Tanya mentioned from the Microsoft. Not all of them, but I've seen uh, a few. And I have to say that uh, they are really done very, very professionally. And in the same time, mm -hmm. while it is prepared professionally, it is done in the way that yeah everybody could understand it and um i, I don't think that after after watching this these uh, webinars you would have additional questions i mean you can always go back through the some sections if you didn't remember but uh the webinars are very self explanatory so uh i have yeah. to i have to say that uh, the one uh, that i mentioned now so presenting uh inclusively with PowerPoint yeah. was very helpful to me to prepare a PowerPoint presentation that I did uh, at work. It was really okay. helpful because I discovered some things that I didn't know, uh, why this is happening, why this is read in a, such way, and that also I can change it. Um, unfortunately, I don't have uh, 365 at work, but at least some of the functionalities mm -hmm. were there. Okay. I have it and there is yeah, also sorry. some explanation uh, on, for example, how to position uh, objects in the space on the slide so that you can have them like displayed intuitive, intuitively for your sighted audience, or this is not included? Uh, this is not included, but uh, I know that JAWS reads the inches. Mm -hmm. uh, NVDA and does guess... as well, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay, so then I guess this can be a reference point. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Of course, you have to know... All, all the parameters where should be. If there are maybe more objects, this may be more difficult. But also, what you need to be really aware all the time is that when you uh, press, so when you when you are in slide mode and then you press escape and you would like to edit a part, it is important to uh, not forget to press the F two to edit if you are using the keyboard. Uh, because if not, you will move the objects on the screen. And this is something that happened to me a few times. Because, of course, you press escape, you tab, and you focus in the section that you would like to edit. And then um, automatically you're pressing arrows to find the part that you would like to edit. But you before you have to press uh, F2. Sometimes uh, the screen reader does not say anything when you press arrows. But in fact, you're moving the objects on the screen. So uh, you really need to be very well aware what is happening. And um, I don't say it's really easy, but with this presentation, it's for sure, um, uh, it was much more easier for me. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's say like this. The whole experience with the Office applications, including the Office 365, is uh, a huge set of tools. and if somebody, no matter if you're blind or people without any disabilities, if you haven't used those tools, you need the training material. Um, however, uh, 
these webinars from Microsoft are definitely helpful. Um, as Tanya said, I, I have also seen a few and they are really, really helpful. Um, I have to say again, <laughs> again, huge thanks to the Microsoft because they've done, <coughs> they've done a good job. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the possibility of that you can, you know, review those webinars and rewatch them whenever you want on YouTube is just fantastic because you mm -hmm. have the material on disposal basically whenever you yep. need them. Yep. Next! No, it's not next. Why not? <laughs> because <clears throat> this was uh, uh, now the last webinar in February and you can suggest a new one um, going on the Microsoft Feedback Accessibility uh, Forum. And you can suggest uh, what are the features or applications that you would like to be covered. Uh, I can already suggest uh, Microsoft Edge Chromium. I think it would be very useful, even though it is very intuitive, I think, especially if you're using uh, Google Chrome. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe this is not the case for all users. And I'm sure that you can discover some features um, that maybe are not visible yeah i mean i could see that the i mean it's a valid point that you made because i know for sure that there are some people who just still are stuck on internet firefox explorer. oh yeah <laughs> still on internet explorer or firefox <clears throat> and chrome in that context is a bit different uh browser though it's you know it does the same thing uh let's say the the look and feel are a bit different um and I can imagine that some people would struggle with them. So, yeah, the new webinar for that would be cool. Yeah. What I saw on the forum is uh, a new feature that was requested. Maybe not for a webinar, but um, hopefully if this will be once included, maybe it will be also a webinar. But mm -hmm. uh, a user um, asked the remote desktop uh, access for a narrator because narrator should be able to support the use of the remote desktop. And this is something really that I think we need um, anyway with any screen reader. <clears throat> and this yeah. will be a great feature that we don't rely on uh, extra add-ons or that the other user really needs to use uh, the same screen reader that you're using. So... I think yeah, yeah. it will be really necessary. Or maybe but even okay. any screen reader at all, yeah. because Microsoft, I guess they would have the potential to build the technology where you, for example, log in with narrator via remote session and the mm -hmm. other party doesn't even need to turn on the narrator on their side and mm -hmm. just the accessibility APIs of Microsoft will be used to read the content from the other computer. I guess... I'm not sure that's possible. Uh, okay. I, would think, I would think that uh, the narrator would have to be... Uh, fired up, fired up on the other side mm -hmm. because you need to have the response back uh, mm -hmm. to 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 get the information. But it doesn't but okay, really sound. I mean, uh, it could be, for example, just a DLL that um, re fetches the accessibility text and passes it to you or something like. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as they make it uh, and it becomes the standard feature of the Windows Remote Desktop that. That would be great because for sure, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you you know already that you know all of us had the situations where uh, you would have to fix somebody's PC, or uh, I mean, let's take it even more into the employment space. 
And let's say that, you know, if the narrator once becomes uh, compliant with the remote desktop, uh, then, you know, a blind person who is skilled enough to do the administrative kind of work uh, could just use that as a tool. And that that's a great thing when you're in the working in the corporate environments and, and so mm, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully this will be introduced at some point. Yeah. In the meantime, and probably it will, it will arrive at, with some new version of Windows 10 because that's usually how the Microsoft distributes these kind of things. Yeah, if it arrives. But in the meantime, uh, you can post the suggestions or also you can vote for the one that you like. So I propose to everyone to vote for this, rec- this request. Uh, Raspberry Pi supports the Orca screen reader now. Ew! Raspberry Pi, that's something to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, well, Raspberry Pi basically is the name for the low, let's say low-end uh, hardware devices, which are very cheap and they don't have like too high specs, but that's because just they are um, made like that. So they're like single board uh, machines, which are 32-bit machines with not too much RAM and they're not too quick, but it's not their, you know, main intention. It's, uh, the, the fact is that, uh, the Raspberry Pi has, uh, its own, there is a operating system called Raspbian and the operating, that operating system is based on the Debian Linux uh, distribution, which is one of the, one of the oldest uh, Linux distribution that exists, and uh, well, uh, the the whole operating system itself, the Raspbian exists since 2012, but uh, so far it didn't have the accessibility features uh, built in. And uh, in today's um, Linux environment, the Orca screen reader is when we are talking about people with visual impairments, is one of the screen readers that's been used the most so uh right now it has the initial support for the orca um and as they say it works uh, in most of the packages uh, in in linux world the packages means applications so that's just a kind of small translation um so it does support most of the packages some of them are not supported uh, and th- there is a list of the apps which uh, does not work for the moment. And they are saying that the Chromium-based, uh, the Chromium, which is also now s- uh, in available for Linux, is not supported yet, but it's on the plan. It will be uh, supported in a few months. So uh, if you want to use any additional browser for the Raspbian, uh, you have to use Firefox for the moment. But uh, yeah, once the Chromium becomes... Uh, working and it, it gets the support for Orca, then you will you will be able to switch it to to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I I see right now they are saying that the, the whole uh, thing regarding the Raspbian is 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 based in English, so no other language is covered, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, I see that this kind of since the whole um, philosophical thing behind the Raspberry Pi is uh, meant that uh, you know it's. First of all, it's for the experimental uh, 
usage. And second of all, it's really, really cheap. I see the potential of using such devices a lot in, you know, third development, third world countries, uh, such as uh, the lots of uh, African countries and uh, possibly also like in the countries like Vietnam, Cambodia and so on, where, you know, the blind people are really uh, not in the position of getting the very uh, in very expensive hardware devices. So, uh, yeah, it's it's cool that this uh, came along, um, that right now Diorca works with it. And, uh, yeah, if there are some of you who are uh, experimenting all the time with the various Linux distributions and such, I know that there are some blind people really who are uh, geeky and who are doing that. Uh, yeah, let us know if you get your hands on the newest Raspbian with your Raspberry Pi, how does it go? Yeah, and... They are also planning to um, make further improvements on accessibility. Mm -hmm. And it started as a collaboration with uh, AbilityNet. So it is a collaboration with them, and we can expect further improvements on that in the okay. future. Yeah. Um, I mean, if the AbilityNet is involved in that, I'm sure that <clears> they will also have uh, some workshops in the UK, uh, because they are based in the UK. Uh, they, there will be a workshops. Uh, especially probably for the kids um, mm. to see how mm. this stuff works. So that's that's nice. Yeah. The American Printing House for the Blind uh, comes with the new products. Uh, and before announcing the new products, uh, the I think it's worth mentioning that CoJumper now is finally available for purchase. I don't know whether this is also available for Europe, but then I guess it will be a matter of time when it will come also here. Uh, before, Because till now it was available on uh, different um, uh, events. Mm -hmm. But now it is finally available for the purchase. Yeah, uh, I know that I've seen that they uh, started some distribution and presentation of that in the UK. Mm -hmm. So it's slowly coming to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, for the products, there are four of them. Uh, there is the embosser, um, uh, or, or actually two of them. The, yeah, um, Pix Blaster. Yeah. And Page Blaster, they yeah. call them. Yeah. And this is a collaboration with Humanware and ViewPlus. So with this, you will be able to print text and also tactile graphics. Yeah, that's that's really good for schools and yeah. for any institutions where you need to mm -hmm. engage hmm. the explanation of the pictures. So that's yeah. that's cool. And then I guess it will work with their software. Yeah, yeah, it will it will support the Braille Blaster mm -hmm. and uh, all the rest of the tools. Yeah, yeah. And they they say that it will be compatible with PC and Mac and all the mobile devices. Mm -hmm, so because yeah. it ha it will have the those um, uh, embossers will also have the Wi-Fi built in, so that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, but I wonder what will be the price because for the moment it is yeah uh, no price is announced only announced and yeah no prices so we'll see you because find usually out the, you never know yeah probably yes yeah yeah because. Usually the embossers are very expensive, so it will be great to see if uh, this is something cheaper from what we have already. And uh, then the next product is a magnifier. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I can speak about it because you know anything that they say about magnifier, 
<laughs> can be wrong. I think it it will have a guided system, like a speaking uh, TTS based menu system where you, you can go through. Well, they say it's gonna have built in OCR, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is uh, combined with OCR. Yeah, it says yeah. it's a kind of handheld device with a seven inch screen, and uh, yeah, it can be on its own stand. And it has audible menus, so that means that uh, the, all the functions are being spoken when you, yeah. And there is also the Chameleon 20 refreshable braille display, which is, which main purpose is for education for uh, kids in schools. Mm-hmm. But the features on that are really, really nice, I have to say, because, uh, yeah, it will be able to support lots of different uh, formats for the docu- documents, like... Uh, all these BRF and editing the DL, yeah. dot, dots files, doc files, and, and yeah, do do, CX and yeah, do CX and TXT files. Um, it will be able to connect to the internet, um, including the support for Bookshare, okay, which is not so uh, relevant for us in Europe, but still, it's a, it's a nice feature. Um, it will support connectivity with all the screen readers and, uh, yeah, uh, there will be a calculator, clock, uh, file management of the internal storage, uh, Wi-Fi, as I already said. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Uh, lots of new features. I would say if this becomes really reality, we are, you know, uh, we are going to see the new generations of the, of the displays. And the other... Braille display uh, and Braille note taker that uh, they are now uh, launching is the Mantis Q40, which is a refreshable uh, Braille display with 40 cells plus with the QWERTY keyboard. Yeah, um, and it has all the features as well from this chameleon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're saying that it's... Uh, it's a cool device for people who are uh, even wanting to use this device uh, at their workplace. Um, yeah, which I could I could see uh, that it could be used. <clears throat> yeah, even though from my personal experience, I think uh, usually uh, it's better. Uh, I I prefer to have a Braille um, keyboard like Braille Perkins keyboard because it takes much less space comparing to the QWERTY keyboard and then i wonder for the qwerty keyboard you would need to be able to switch from one keyboard language to another uh, if you are they typing. said that it's going to be possible so yeah you, yeah, you yeah for be, sure yeah. but this is something that you have to take into account sure <clears throat> okay um i propose to go to the next topic online shopping and um uh there that there is a study uh from um the scope research team and open inclusion organization um, they done a study about the inclusivity and accessibility of online shopping and w- as we can expect the results are very poor uh, so they've uh, done uh, a table uh, with different questions regarding uh, groceries people said that uh, at least 39% of uh, the online uh, shops were not accessible but from my experience it can be much more but i guess also it depends on the country and region from where you are maybe in your country there are some stores that are more accessible and some others less so 
but th- this is a study done uh, from organizations in UK mm-hmm. where maybe the situation is better from some other countries, but still it is not uh, very good. It is still still very poor, uh, the accessibility. Then uh, the, for the trains and transport tickets, people said that 38% is not accessible. Um Clothing, um, 36%, and food delivery, 30%. Then there is the uh, hotels and bed and breakfast also, 26 Uh Even though, I don't know, from my experience, it's rare that it is accessible, any of them. And then also for entertainment, uh, sport and leisure, uh, from their study, it is uh, accessible uh, 25%. Mm-hmm. I think 25%. Um, and what they wanted to show with this study is that um, persons with disabilities are also consumers, like all the others, and that um, companies should invest much more time and money to make those services accessible because they can also earn money with uh, customers who have a disability, which is clear clear enough, but... What we are experiencing every day, it's the opposite. So hopefully this study will uh, bring some things forward. And uh, this is the first part of the study. There will be some others coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because often when we think Mm -hmm. of booking uh, hotels or buying Mm -hmm. uh, or doing shopping, we often think of these big aggregators. If you want to shop for some items you go on amazon if you want to book a hotel you go on booking or airbnb yeah mm-hmm. and there if you probably look at those big players um you see that they are probably more accessible than the websites of some uh single uh endeavor of, of a single company somewhere out mm-hmm. there and maybe that also could uh, increase the factor in a little bit for for some segments but yeah it's it's probably true that uh, if you look at if you want to buy for example from an individual shop because you want i don't know the the company to earn the entirety of what you pay with no intermediary companies uh, in the middle uh, it may be that you are failing to complete the purchase because the, this individual uh, shopping website uh, is not accessible and this is quite interesting <laughs> because a lot of times this web pages for for companies that basically earn money on the internet are built with specific CMS or some other tools. And quite often, all of the issues would be solved if this company that provides the platform for the shop or the hotel fixes their um, back-end code, or front-end code, so that uh, the hotel, they, they often don't even have to do that much in the end to accommodate uh, disabled customers because if they're, mostly the website is done for them. So if, if the platform that is used for, for building it is accessible there is that much less work to do mm-hmm. sure yeah yeah well yeah as, as, as Tanya said before you know this uh this study showed that the situation situation is uh, <clears throat> definitely not ideal okay this this uh, applies for the uk but definitely it can be applied for any other countries uh yeah. in europe um as well as in the states okay maybe in the states the situation is a little bit better but uh, still, um, this really shows that the companies should be taking care of um, mm. basically better inclusion 
overall yeah. uh, a part a part will come with the accessibility act because now e-commerce will need to be accessible yeah uh, but it will take some time yeah, but yeah. Uh, with this study we we raise awareness not only by uh, legislation but also because it really uh, gives benefit to to uh, shops and to companies uh, by providing accessible services. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And until then, we will always hear the question, the questions like, uh, "Do I have to do this? Uh, what is accessible?" And uh, how yeah. many are you? How many are you? That's the most interesting one because yeah, it often that's, comes uh, up. Like, what that kind always, of you know, that, that always brings. Always, what whenever you have any kind of meetings, yeah, the first question mm. is like, yeah, for how many of you do we have to fix this? Yeah, yeah is it two. is it is it only for you? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, man, yeah. Even yeah. if you give them numbers, it's still like a fracture of what they usually earn off the global market. So then, ah, oh, okay, it doesn't really pay off. I will not earn much of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, it is true that um, services that are accessible, um, um, it will be more accessible for everyone, not only to persons with disabilities. Absolutely. So this is the truth that mm. most often they're not aware. And also, um, when people get older, maybe with some time you earn disabilities. So, you know, also in that case, um, a web page that is as accessible will benefit really all users. But... Uh, I would propose to go to the next topic, which is the last one for this episode. And it Ooh. is about Envision glasses. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you can have uh, the same experience that you have uh, with the Envision application on a mobile phone with the Envision glasses. Yes. And this is a, a new product that is, um, it's not actually available yet, uh, but the pre-orders will start soon, uh, exactly during the CSUN conference in March. But already now, if you are an organization that uh, deals with accessible technology, assistive technology and uh, the market, uh, you can already pre-book an event or ask the Envision team who are located in the Netherlands. So perhaps for some of you, it's not that far really. At any rate, it's in Europe. So it's quite possible that they can come to your event and present for your target audience, uh, what the glasses can do. Mm -hmm. um, they tested different things, different uh, glass model, glasses models, and they ended up choosing Google Glass Enterprise Edition 2nd. And they managed to build a pro working prototype where all of the features that we know, both offline and online from the mobile application, are available. Mm -hmm. The glasses have a speaker, have a touchpad that you can use. Actually, they had to modify TalkBack because... And by default, it's not supported on Google Glass. So they had to build their own modified TalkBack to make it possible for blind users to handle the interface. And uh, you can use this uh, glass set, uh, the whole infrastructure, uh, to use the Envision AI without actually touching your mobile phone or even using it or having it around, which is quite comfortable when you're navigating in space uh, around mm -hmm. you. And uh, you just want to read some text as you pass or you would like to scan some QR codes on products in the shop and, and so on. Um, what they are also thinking of doing is, first of all, testing some new glasses so they can offer different options. But also, um, they also they want to work on some new features. One that is definitely in the pipeline is the video calling of your friends or family of somebody or somebody you might want to request uh, visual help from. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's definitely a great thing because uh, we still don't have ERA in Europe like globally. And there is, I think, no similar platform that offers a glass perspective experience on video uh, assistance. Uh, the price is the most interesting part because uh, it mm-hmm. uh, it's not finalized yet, but the estimates are that it will be between a thousand and a thousand five hundred dollars, which is around nine hundred twenty euros to one hundred one thousand four hundred euros. So much much cheaper than, for instance, Orcam, mm-hmm. which yeah. offers a similar experience. And yeah, they will be at CSUN. I hope they will be at Site City. I don't know, but. Uh, it would hmm. make sense, I guess. And yeah. then more of us here in Europe could see it. Uh, see with the glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, good luck for the Envision team. And uh, what I really liked about this article that they put on the blog, and you will also find the link in the show notes, is that they actually go down to the very specifics of how they build the product. So it's not really like this typical business advertising that we have built a revolutionary product and so on. But they basically tell you, we have tried this, this did work. We have tried that, that didn't work. And we will try as much as possible. And as long as we are not satisfied, we'll not release it for you. And they are even going down to presenting the specification, linking to the Google website. So you have this sort of insider view of how the product is built. And you can see that they really want to build a nice working product. That uh, They are using technology that already exists, but they just want to put their software expertise on the hardware that already exists. And uh, I find it honest. And I think it's a great tactic to uh, attract more customers. Sure. Yeah. I Um, wonder, though, um, how it will get the connectivity. Will it be through Wi-Fi or cellular? Because uh, I guess it will need the connection for the um, video phone calls. Yeah, it does have Wi-Fi. Uh, Google Glass is equipped with this. And also mm-hmm. for exchanging data with your phone, there is a Bluetooth on board. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what you will probably use. Either you will yeah. pair it with your phone to get the connection or you will use some public Wi-Fi hotspots depending on your choice. But mm-hmm. um, the significant part of it, so the recognition modules are also working offline. So you can count on that as well. Yeah. And then I guess the languages will be similar as um, the one that you are already able to use on the mobile phone application for OCR and for... They didn't say that, but I guess yes, because if they are using the same code base, I guess that it's already running on Android, Mm -hmm. then yes, I think it will work fine. And I can tell as I'm I'm using the pro version of Envision AI, this is so far the best app I've used for at least instant recognition of text because compared to other ones I tried, it will take some time to recognize. So you will only hear every second or two that there is something detected, Mm -hmm. but it will try to read text. It will not try to guess. It will not insert some punctuation marks in the middle. It will not read some like gibberish. It tried to guess, but it didn't manage. It will read as much as it recognized. Mm -hmm. And it can even detect languages. So it happened to me already that it switched automatically the language of my Google DTS to the appropriate one and it read the label or something I wanted to read in the yeah. in the right language because it saw it's uh, something else than what I usually use. And uh, yeah, now they also introduced these new modes with the document uh, scanning mode. I think they are using now multiple pages so you can scan page after page and you can export it in some new formats. You can definitely import PDF uh, for recognition with this. Uh, so yeah, I think it's quite a strong suit, especially if you put it on glasses and I'm quite curious to see the effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there will be, for example, for users who are already uh, using the Envision 
AI Pro, uh, if there will be some kind of discount or whatever, uh, because yeah, eventually they said also that there will be like a monthly, uh, subscription and the in the lifetime subscription this is for the mobile application but is it for the glasses also for the well i mean obviously you need to 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 have it paired with their with their software um and so i wonder if this software which will which will come additionally mm. for the you know for the support for the glasses will mm. They said everything is included in the price, they said. Okay. So I suppose it's uh, hardware and software unlimited use. Maybe you can negotiate it if you already bought the pro version, they can just give you a discount by the price of the software. So you just buy the glasses and they maybe some additional fee for them programming them to work with Envision AI. Uh, but this is not anything they put on the web page. So I guess this okay. will come at a later time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We, so yeah, you need to request see. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was the last topic for this episode. Stay tuned with us. Please send us your comments via Twitter or on our email. And um, see you next time. Yeah, Bye. yeah. See you. Bye. Bye. Demo time. Welcome to the demo part for our EBU Access Cast. And today we will be very short because the thing which I'm going to show you can be done very quickly but it can be also very useful. So what are we going to show today is the ability to turn on and off the screen curtain feature, which is now becoming a part of uh, NVDA 2019.3. The thing about the screen curtain is that uh, by default, this feature is not assigned to any of the key shortcuts so you have to define this key shortcut manually. All right, so let's see, how do we do that? So I will press NVDA plus N. NVDA menu. Choose preferences. Settings, S. And go to the input gestures. Weather, input gestures, N. Input gestures dialog, tree view. Braille collapsed one of 25 level zero. Now we are in the tree view with multiple settings which we can define for the input gestures. But the one which we need is called vision. So I'm gonna press V. Vision collapsed 24 of 25 level zero. It says collapsed. That means that there are sub items inside. So I'm gonna press my right arrow key. Expanded, one items. Level 1 toggles the state of the screen curtain, enable to make the screen black or disable to show the contents of the screen. Pressed once, screen curtain is enabled until you restart NVDA. Pressed twice, screen curtain is enabled until you disable it collapsed one of one. Okay, so this was the short explanation about what this function do. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna press top key. Add button alt plus A. Pressed, unavailable. Tree view, level two, enter input gesture, two of two. All right, so it says enter input gesture and I'm gonna choose for myself the NVDA and F11 key. Context menu. And now it comes the context menu. Uh, why? Because there are multiple options which, you can, which we can choose. The first one is NVDA plus F11, desktop keyboard, N. 
NVDA plus F11 keyboard, all layouts, and. So we can choose between desktop, desktop keyboard and uh, all layouts. I'm gonna choose for all layouts and press enter. Input gestures dialog, tree view, NVDA plus F11 keyboard, all layouts, two of two level two. And that's basically it. Now I can go to add button, all, remove, reset, OK button. OK button. Coke free MP3. So now that we got our keyboard shortcut configured, uh, we can go to see if everything is set as we want. And we can do that in the NVDA menu. NVDA menu. You will go to the preferences. Settings. And settings. S. NVDA settings. General. And then we go under the category vision. Vision 4 of 20. So we can see what's here. Vision property page configure visual aids. Focus highlight grouping. Enable highlighting checkbox checked alt plus E. It's the stuff for the focus highlight. Um, I enabled it. Highlight system focus checkbox checked alt plus C. That's also related to the focus highlight. Highlight navigator object checkbox checked alt plus O. This as well. Highlight browse mode cursor checkbox checked alt plus M. This also. Screen curtain grouping. Make screen black. Immediate effect. Checkbox checked. This is the feature that we want. So it's uh, related to the screen curtain. It says makes the screen black. Uh, now it's checked. So we know that it's on. Let's see what's next. Always show a warning when loading screen curtain checkbox not checked alt plus S. Always show warning. Well... I like to have this feature off and you probably also like would want to have this feature off because it's a bit annoying so you can turn it off. Play sound when toggling screen curtain checkbox checked alt plus P. Play sound when screen curtain is activated that's uh, a feature which you also might want to have it because if you can see the screen this is very useful so I have it turned on it's checked. Okay button. And here is the OK button. So I press OK. Coke free MP3. And that's all. We should be able to test this feature. I'm going to test it when I press NVDA plus F11. Screen curtain disabled. It's disabled. Temporary screen curtain enabled until next restart. OK. Screen curtain disabled. And if I press it twice quickly. Screen curtain enabled. We can hear that screen curtain is enabled and it will stay enabled as long as I want, even if I restart the NVDA. So I hope that this demo was uh, useful for you and see you in the next demo in the next podcast. Thank you for listening. This has been EBU Access Cast. Access Cast.